Well, hey, good morning. Merry Christmas. This is Jared with Respect the Midrange, a basketball podcast. Uh, coming to you this morning with a quick episode here. Uh, I know that I promised an episode uh, on Christmas Eve, and flatly, my wife came home with a little bit of wine and a little bit in her belly and decided that we were going to drink last night. So here I am. Bright and early, have an open pre- have already open presents, and I got what I wanted. Um, I'm a child, uh, so I asked my wife for uh, NBA warmups. I got the Chicago Bulls home warmup top. Um, I got uh, Miami Heat basketball, um, the long sleeve shirt that goes over the jersey, and then. I got some warm-up pants and some shorts and some socks, and I'm a happy guy. So I hope you got whatever you wanted. I just told my wife um, I I wanted very simple stuff, so I'm happy as can be. Uh, I wanted to let you know that if you want to get notifications of when a new episode is posted, if you want to interact with an account uh, run by me that posts basketball-related material, Follow at Respect Midrange on Twitter and at Respect the Midrange on Instagram. Uh, those things are different. Originally, I got approved for Respect the Midrange on both platforms, but Twitter came back and said that it exceeded the character limit for names and gave me this instead. And I'm going to try to get Respect Midrange off Instagram. I just haven't. I guess I should probably just do that. I'll let you know if I do. Um, I think, as I said in the first episode, I think if you're going to have a podcast about something, there ought to be a really good reason why uh, you're going to sit and talk at length about a subject. Um, As you may know, last year I started doing sports commentary for an application called Hot Mic. Uh, And frankly, if I could find someone to co-host that with me, I would... I would do that. Um, I wanted to let you know I did some. Uh, I did a basketball. I've started a basketball journal uh, to hold myself accountable to say, you know, if I'm gonna have a podcast, um, you got to be regularly consuming the content uh, so that you can talk about it. Otherwise, what are you what are you talking about, right? Because a lot of the people I gather, a lot of people that talk about sports only watch highlights. They don't watch the whole game. Um, for example, uh, Rozier had 42, and it was a quiet 42 on 10 of 16 from three-point land. The only way you do that is pick your spots and be very patient. Otherwise, you would just get smothered in coverage, and you'd never you won't have nights like that very frequently. Um, but yeah, um, wanted to start, um, Sunday after Sunday night football, uh, game six, the Lakers heat was on. I watched that while I recorded and published episode one of respect the midrange. Um, uh, Monday I watched the first half of Garner Webb versus Florida state before I watched Monday night football. Uh, Tuesday I watched Warriors nuts and Clippers Lakers. That was opening night. I uh, predicted on episode one that the the Nets and, and Clippers would win. Um, and the Nets look really good. 
And I want to point this out now, early on in my podcast. I will root for any basketball team that employs Jamal Crawford. Um, Brooklyn, uh, which has Crawford on the bench, uh, looked really good. Uh, and like I've like I've been saying, Kyrie, Lavert, and KD is a hot trio, and either even good if one of them goes down, and they've got other players. So the Nets are going to be good. Um, the Clippers and Lakers, we know, I've told you, they're going to be really good. And then on kickoff night, I watched my Pacers play the Knicks and win handily uh, and was really impressed. The Colts, or Colts, the Pacers are now running more of an up-tempo style, and I'm all about that. Uh, run the floor, hit open shots uh, early in the shot clock. Uh, and put pressure on uh, the opposing offense to return the favor. Uh, because if they can't score quickly, regularly, the opposing offense, you're going to run away with that game. Uh, and then I also watch Mavs, Suns. Uh, the Mavs are going to be great. That's a playoff team. Suns, uh, I think the Suns and Pellies are my teams that are rising. Um, the Suns looked really good. Uh, and then yesterday... Uh, I was going to record episode two. I actually recorded a two-hour episode that I trashed uh, simply because I'd been drinking, and it was two hours long. So nobody wants to hear that. And then last night, I watched The Doctor on NBA TV. Uh, That's the Julius uh, Irving documentary. Uh, Highly recommend. If you can get your hands on it, please do. Uh, And then I wanted to... to, um, put it out there into the ether that I, I didn't just you know add a, you know switch sports add a podcast um, I wanted to document uh, sort of my my mental state and where my thoughts are as I start this process and this process isn't me uh, building a podcast um, if you know me and have known me you know that I am the kind of person that will do some shit. I'm not the kind of person to sit and talk about it. Um, I said I wanted to be uh, a sports commentator, and Hot Mike uh, uh, appeared. Basically, it was developed, and I ran, I went to it, and I did it last year. And like I said, I would do it more consistently if I had a consistent co-host. Um someone with a good laptop or computer that wants to also do sports commentary. Uh, If you know that person, hit me up. But yeah, um, basically, in the last about year, I've learned a lot personally, uh, maybe about the last year and a half. Um, And that through all the things that have happened in the last year with all the stress that's going on, um, I've remained pretty steadfast. Made, have made good decisions so far. I didn't attend Thanksgiving or Christmas this year uh, at someone else's house because of COVID. I stayed home, uh, which I feel is the correct decision. And I feel like part of being a leader of other people is making the correct decision under pressure, regardless of what's going on around you, despite what other people may think. Um, operating um, with some bearing and having some initiative to actually 
do what you uh, talk, you know, talk the talk, walk the walk, right? Um, and I know I'm old, right? So there's people listening to this thinking like, Jared, you're 37. Please tell me you're not going to try to become an NBA player. No, mom, that's crazy. Um, I want to be an NBA head coach. And I want to be an NBA head coach because I want the platform. And I want the platform um, because with that platform comes the ability to uh, get a message out, right? To be a to be a speaker box, um, to raise up um, the concerns of the people around you. And I think the best way to become an NBA head coach is to get into coaching. Shocker, I know. The Pacers' new head coach. Um, uh, Alex Bjorkgren um, is a kind of person that you can model your life after if you if you're me. Um, he wasn't a head uh, NBA head coach about seven years ago. He wasn't a coach at all. He coached high school, was successful, coached college, and was successful. And now he's now he's the Pacers head coach, and they're going to be good. They're going to be a good playoff team too. Okay, so. I say these things um, to say I am an inspired individual. You know, when I was a little kid, I was inspired by Michael Jordan. So basketball was my whole life for the better part of my childhood. Um, he never really gave it up until I got hurt and couldn't physically play basketball anymore. Couldn't raise my arm over my head. Um... Now that I'm a little older, and not that I'm not still hurt, but now I'll figure out a way to play, given my limitation, right? Um, I realize that the best thing that I've got left is my mind. Um, so that you know, uh, I applied to go to Ball State here. Um, I'm going to take on some more student loans. I'm going to become a, a teacher. Um, I want to give myself options, so I'm going to go to, and I'm just going to Ball State because it's an online program. They have education, data science. Uh, I'm going to get a history minor uh, because I want to be able to to teach multiple subjects flatly. Like, I'm not going to pigeonhole myself into being a gym teacher. Um, I'll teach English. I'll teach history. I'll whatever. Uh, but I'm going to get a, I'm going to get certs. Uh, to be able to do that uh, in a, here in the state of Indiana. And uh, I want to be a head coach at an IPS school. Um, I want to not just teach, I want to coach. I want to teach kids that, you know, you can do whatever you set out to do, whatever your mission is. Um, as we, if you're willing to put in the work, I'll go to bat for you as long as you show me that that work is translating, right? So one of the things that kids specifically don't understand is that the willingness and ability to do something does not mean that you get to do it at the next level or should be um, – how do I say that? Just because you're willing to do the work – doesn't mean that you're going to get the job, flatly, flat, frankly. Um, just because you want to do something doesn't mean you're gonna. It's gonna happen. You got to do the work, and then you've also got to. You've got to be the kind of person that the work that you do 
causes you to improve as a player or person right because there's too many kids out there you know and I that were so skinny and malnourished that if they worked the harder they work the worse they got at basketball does that make sense because they weren't properly nourished you know they weren't properly uh, hydrated and fed and the work that they were doing was actually breaking them down and not building them up right so it's for me I probably ate too much and the work I did didn't burn off all that food so I was a little tubby all the time a little step slower um, my thought process um, as a as it refers to coaching um, is that there are really a couple types of basketball players there are ball handlers and scores and I'm grouping those in the same category ball handlers and scores and then there are shot blockers, rebounders, and space eaters is what I call them. So basically there's guys that handle the ball and guys that get the ball and give it to the ball handler. Um, and I think that's the way I'll coach because what I want what I want to do is pl not really play a mental game, but basically teach my players that, you know, if, if, if you're not going to shoot a three-point shot, and if you're not bringing my ball up, and you're not a cog in a wheel on offense, you're more of a guy that sets screens and blocks out and gets rebounds and putbacks. Just you know, kind of shoot around before practice starts. That'll be your conditioning. Because what they'll realize real quick is I'm admitting I can't dribble or shoot, and then they're gonna come to me and say, "All right, if I'm gonna take this time where I could be doing this conditioning that you've set up for your ball handlers and shooters." Um, I want to do some shooting drills and ball handling drills because I want to call myself a ball handler and shooter. And what you'll end up having is you'll have, first of all, your guards will be dogs because you separate your guards from your bigs and you develop your guards independent of your bigs. And then that's the conditioning portion of your practice. And then you push your team together and you explain why you split them up. Hey, you know, I need my guards to be able at any point in a basketball game, period, to take the ball out of bounds, you know, take the inbound, and book as fast as you can go like your heels are on fire and hit a layup. And you need to do that a lot. That's literally your bread and butter. If that guard isn't paying attention, you go and you blow by, you need to be able to hit a layup. You need to be able to stop and hit a mid-range jumper. You need to stop and hit a three-pointer. You need to set up the offense. The way you do the conditioning portion of that um, is you do that before practice. So as a head coach, I'm going to tell my kids, like, hey, listen, we're not going to do conditioning during practice because wearing you out while I try to teach you something isn't fruitful but wearing you out and then teaching you something meaningful is going to work right because if you're hungry enough to come in here and do the conditioning then you ought to be hungry enough to stand around and learn something right and so that's what we're gonna work toward is do the work right do the conditioning work up front get all hot and sweaty right and breathing hard and then learn something um, instead of, you know, when I was in high school, they tried to kill you all practice while they're trying to teach you shit all practice. 
And I don't think that's a good way to coach kids, right? First of all, we're already in an information overload society, right? Everyone needs to just admit, like, information's coming at you from a hundred different angles, especially if you're a kid, right? And you've got to figure out where the good information is coming from. And I think that the best thing I can do as a coach is keep it simple, stupid, right? And the way I do that up front is to separate conditioning from practice, right? From separate the learning portion from punishment, right? And make the punishment, hey, this is improving our overall basketball program, right? By making sure that your guards, first of all, are dribbling the basketball, running full speed as like the primary thing that you're showing your guards is you got to go full speed with that ball. And the faster that you are, the more under control you are at a high speed, the more free layups that you'll get, right? Game OG20 is the way I would teach my guard to play. Game OG20. You see daylight, you go. And ain't nobody going to say nothing. As long as you're hitting, hit your layups. So that's where your focus needs to be, right? You have got to be a dagger with the ball in your hand, right? No matter the size, if you're a guard or a ball handler. And the way you can condition yourself is take is start on the end line, take the ball, push it, that thing out in front of you, and chase it to the rim and move as fast as possible. And then go back the other way and then drop the ball and then do some form of what I would call like a drill movement. So like you're going to run to the free throw line, you're going to shuffle left to the left out of bound line, shuffle right to the right out of bound line, sprint to half court, turn around, jog backwards all the way to the opposite end line, right? You're trying to mem use your conditioning. Instead of it being like punishment, you're just mirroring the movement in a game, right? And then so what I would do for my shooters, right, your, your, your shooters have a different conditioning program than your ball handlers. Your shooters are going to do down and back, right? As you know, sometimes you run down, you don't get the ball, you run back and there's the the play didn't go your way, so you didn't see anyone, right? Um, but then what you want them to run is you want them to run their routes, right? So I I look at shooting guards or shooters in basketball like I do wide receivers or quarterbacks in the NFL. You're just trying to get them in a good in their spot, right? So you condition them to run down to the block and make a 90 degree left hand turned out to left wing, right? And then you do the drill with a buddy and the buddy hits you in the left wing. And then you're gonna run down to the other end of the floor and try to jump up and touch the backboard as fast as you can make that happen. And then, and then you're gonna sprint back down the floor to the free throw line, make a hard right, um, go out to the right wing, catch and shoot, a three right in the in the uh, flow of the offense it's just there's not a whole bunch of people out there right and so by doing by drilling it into their brain that your shooters shoot your ball handlers handle the ball and then you've got this other group your big boys standing around watching these guys do drills first of all what's gonna happen is your big boys are gonna say I can do those drills too so you shouldn't have too many players by the you know third or fourth day of practice you should have no one not doing drills before practice. There shouldn't be anyone just shooting around. These people, you, you need to get a good sweat going and condition yourself so that when we practice and play practice games, your body's ready 
so that we get an actual in-game action, you're always ready. Because I can promise you, one of the myriad of ways that we're going to beat people is we're going to beat them with our conditioning. We're just going to be ready. And a lot of a lot of these a lot of these schools that you're going to play, especially the smaller the program, the more likely the kid plays football and basketball, and he's getting strung, you know, all over the place. How do I know that? I played football and basketball, and it's really hard to do. It takes a lot of energy. Okay, so one of the ways that I can beat up on other programs because if I'm going to coach at IPS, those are three, four-star schools in terms of size. Um, I want to, like I said, I want to coach at the biggest one and the one that needs me the most, right? That needs a white male that's going to come in there and teach these kids, hey, not everybody's out to get you. So many people, you know, some people love you and want the best for you and will do anything for you as long as you're willing to do the work. Um, and as long as that work is, is benefiting you. Because I want to make sure these kids understand that just because you love something does not mean that it is not toxic to you. And for a lot of kids, and I'm not, I don't know that I can give you any examples, but there were lots of kids that I knew growing up that were just wasting their time and money on something that was leading them nowhere for no other reason than that they loved it and they were keeping other people from doing it. And this is because basketball programs limit the size of their programs. You know, you've got like 15 kids on varsity, 15 on JV, and 15 on the freshman team, plus, I don't know, like a scout team. So say it's like 50 kids. My basketball program will cut nobody. What I want to do is I want to raise the floor of my basketball program because it raises the ceiling at the same time. And if I just focus on the good players that are already part of the program, you're going to basically bomb out when those players leave. So what you need to do is have an open basketball community, and I get it, in the middle of a pandemic, what are you talking about? Dude, I have to go back to school and get a physical education degree in order to be a basketball coach in Indiana. I'm also going to have to get minors that allow me to teach history or data science if I can't find a gym teacher job. Okay, I'm setting myself up for success. With that in mind... once I get into school I've told you how I plan to coach so I'm gonna give the game away I'm gonna even tell other coaches what I'm gonna do I'm gonna beat you because I'm gonna drill into my kids head that conditioning is the alpha that weightlifting is the beta right so you have the alpha and the beta conditioning and weightlifting are the alpha and beta these things need to happen before you try to learn from me so after school, I'm going to give them till you know, say they get out at 2.30, you got until 4 o'clock. What, here's what I want from you. I want you to condition yourself for a game, which is, what do they play, like 10, 12-minute quarters, so it's like 48, 40 minutes. Condition yourself based on how much you expect to play. Let's say you play like 6 minutes or half of a quarter, so you owe like 16 minutes of, of cardio. That's nothing, right? But you got to make it constructive for yourself. Meaning, once you get to a point where running full speed with a basketball and hitting a layup is nothing. Running full speed and hitting a, a jump stop, jump shot, nothing. 
that's nothing. After you've drilled it, it's nothing. Once you can stop and hit a three, it's nothing. It's nothing. And to, you need to continue to drill those things. But now what you do, instead of, let's say you do, uh, you know, you commit yourself to the game owes me 20. What that means is that you're going to take the ball out, dribble full speed all the way to the bucket 10 times in a game. You're going to play four quarters. It means you're going to do it two or three times a quarter. So in between those, the game owes you 20 that you're looking for. The game owes me 20. You're going to look for that 20. We're not going to force that. But by conditioning your guards to move full speed with a basketball, right? So if you if you know basketball, you know that I'm building a foundation, right? I'm, I'm taking the guys that are staying up front. I'm your ball handler and scorer. And you're drilling conditioning with a ball always. Never condition your players without a basketball unless unless the movement wouldn't doesn't match up. Like shuffling sideways doesn't match up with dribbling a basketball, right? The idea is keep the ball in the guard's hands, keeps them from turning it over in games and high-pressure situations because they've conditioned themselves to move at full speed with a basketball in their hand. And then you condition your shooters to move at full speed to get open and then take an open basket and take an open shot, right? And then the plays you run have your guard with moving with the ball at full speed and your shooters moving at full, full speed to get open. And then you teach your bigs to watch your ball handler and your shooter move m so that you can help, so that you can set screens, so that you can be, the, be exactly the cog in the machine that you need to be to help the offense. Uh, and then what ends up happening is is when everyone becomes a ball handler and shooter because what we're moving toward is positionless basketball, right? You have, gu you have guys bringing the ball up that are power forwards in traditional standards based on their skill set and their, their height and weight, but they're a point guard because of their usage because they are the primary ball handler and they are executing the offense. Um, and I know that that sounds awful lot like I'm talking about LeBron, but there are others like Ben Simmons can't hit a three to save his life, right? But he's the primary ball handler, brings a ball up a lot, right? There's no outside shot. Uh, Russell Westbrook, not a great outside shooter, uh, but what I have grown to love about Russell Westbrook is the the one step one step forward, take a, a 18 to 20 foot jump shot. He's great. Uh, he did it a lot in that triple double he had. Um, so what I want to do, um, so I did a basketball diary, told you what I've been doing in basketball, told you what my future plans are. I'm going back to school. Uh, I'm going to take on student loans or, you know, try to go to school for free if I can, right? Uh, and I want to be a, a basketball coach at the high school level at an IPS school here in Indianapolis. Uh, and then I want to coach at a college. And then I want to coach in the NBA. And my 10-year my goal is I want to coach a kid in the NBA that I coached in high school. Um, and I want to do it quick and I want to do it because I, I think that I have the brain to bring to basketball to make basketball better um, for example watching the Dr. J the doctor uh, documentary brought up something that I've been saying as I've kind of gotten back into basketball one of the things that I've noticed is that sometimes I'll see a pass that I believe set up the points that were scored as a result and I think that the passer deserves an assist but they don't give him an assist and then 
on the same thought process, a player, let's say, bats a ball out of a, an opposing player's hand, it goes off that player's, you know, arm out of bounds, it is a turnover, like a forced turnover. But that player didn't get a steal in the, in the steal column. This happens in real life, and it also happens in video games. And remember, I've told you on episode one of my podcast, we're not only going to sit here and talk about the NBA, the WNBA, NCAA basketball, right? We're not just going to talk about sneakers. We're not gonna, just going to talk about unis, the fact that I got a Bulls warm-up for Christmas. That's not the sole focus of the podcast. We also want to make basketball better. My objective as a human is to everything that I touch, I want to leave better than I found it. What I'm getting at is I want to add a statistic to the NFL, FTO, forced turnover. Um, I see it so frequently, and I'm just, and every time I do, I'm just like, ooh, it wasn't a block. It's not a steal, but it's absolutely a forced turnover, and it changed the potential outcome of the game. Um, And I think when we start to, take a, a deeper look at things that you love and have loved your whole life um, it's easier to want to make them better my dad was a uh, official in high school uh, I want to see replay fully in, uh, in invested into basketball because it, everything is bang bang and so is the the officials the officials are bang bang too they're 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 making snap decisions and I don't think that those should be able to affect the outcome because to air is human so to make mistakes is human. But for an audience, so think about the NBA being a form of entertainment. Same thing with football. I'm saying the same thing for football. Football is a form of entertainment. Why as fans do we put up with bad officiating? That never gets fixed. In the Now, I don't know that it's a problem in the NBA because I can fully tell you that uh, I w- my wife was asking me, you know, You've all, you know, you've watched the NBA and the NCAA since we've been together about seven years, but like now it feels like it's like a big thing to you. What's going on? And I said, you know, first of all, as somebody who's watched the NFL and NBA my whole life, super proud of where those organizations are in terms of how they've handled uh, the last several years, uh, basically, and how they've grown and developed over time and have been leaders among organizations as it refers to their response to COVID-19. I'm not happy, for the record, with the NBA that they didn't reinstitute their bubble, but I understand why. So I can understand why not approve of that still uh, and just be like, you know, move on with my life. Um, But yeah, I wanted to make sure that I got it out there to you what my plans are. Um, So I'm, I'm not just recording a podcast to hear myself talk yet again. Uh, I'm recording a podcast because I'm doing something and talking about it. And I draw inspiration from guys like J.J. Redick. He is a an excellent NBA basketball player. And the Pelicans are going to be, I, I think they're going to have the largest win differential in the NBA. I don't think that's saying much. But I don't think the Warriors are. I would be surprised if they win 25 games. Uh, I I think that Detroit's probably pretty bad too. Um, but yeah, I think the, I, I think last episode I pretty much picked chalk and I I think that's good decisions. Teams that win tend to continue to win as long as there's not a lot of roster turnover and they're, they're, 
rosters aren't aged. Uh, and spoiler alert, most of these rosters are young. Um, but yeah, uh, want to make sure we get you out of here in a good time frame. Uh, it's about 10, about 10, eight, about 10, 20 here uh, in the United States and in Indiana on Christmas morning. And I just wanted to make sure I got out a little episode of podcast. Um, let's see here. I know that I wanted to, I wanted to, I like to inspire because uh, I like to be inspired, right? Um, the high scores um, in their in their body types and heights and their scoring styles are things that I think are worth going over. And then I want to make sure I give a, a game one of the 2021 NBA season MVP award. I've already decided who it's going to be, and I'm going to tell you what my criteria is. Okay, and then. I think, and it and so what we'll do every week, okay, is every week I record a podcast. Instead of going over individual results and over regular season games, what I'm going to talk about are I'll pick the teams that are, hey, these teams are like undefeated this week. Hey, these teams had a bad week. Okay, and then the teams I follow, you know, I'm not going to do go through all 30 teams every week. Uh, because what you need, what we need to realize is the cream will rise. The the teams that are going to struggle will just struggle, and then it'll set up your league. The the teams in the middle barely make the playoffs because the end of the year we'll be talking about the middle a lot. So in the beginning of the year we kind of talk about the cream rising to the top. Ooh, look, the Suns look good. The Pellies look good. You know what I mean? Um, but like I, what I wanted to get to was. When I was coming th- up through in, in athletics, I was told as a young kid that I was going to be a professional athlete because of my size. And once I got to that size, I was told that it wasn't enough. I was told to do work, and when I did the work, I was told that it, that it wasn't enough. And then I went when I got to college and I started playing sports at a higher level. And I'm not talking about personally. I'm talking about I elevated the company I was in. I started playing basketball with better players. I started playing football with better players. Told you I walked on a Purdue's team, right? I, I went through film study with Joe Tiller. I wanted to replace Drew Brees. Um... Drew won the Rose Bowl the year before I went to Purdue. Um, he's why I went. And when I was at Purdue and I was on the scout team and I was watching these guys play, that's when I knew I couldn't play football. And they wanted me to gain weight and play fullback. And I, I just, I'm brittle. I will break. I don't like being hit. Um, I don't like pain. When it came to basketball, Basketball gave you the kinds of pains that you put up with, right? You play too much basketball and your shin gets shin splints. Uh, you don't drink enough water. Uh, you get cramps. Um, I loved that the, the sort of ball is life attitude, right? I go to class all day, come home, eat dinner, hang around for a little bit, and then I'd be like, "Oh, it's about that time." And for three hours a day, for a few years I was in the gym 
playing five on five. I love playing five on five. I'm not a big fan of one v ones, two v twos, three v threes. But the older you get, you realize if I shit up, I'll, I'll shoot around with a toddler if that little thing's gonna get a ball and hand it to me. You know what I mean? Um, I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that to a little kid. Probably can't hear carry the ball anyway. But yeah, I I was told when I was 16, so while I was still in high school, I was a sophomore in high school, that I was too small to pursue basketball at a professional level. And I know that I was just too naive and computers were too new and there wasn't the internet couldn't prove that wrong for me. And that size didn't matter and that it was all about work ethic and what were you willing to put into this to be great at it. Um, and frankly, I was putting up the shots to play the game professionally. I wasn't a good enough athlete, and I don't know that I could have been. So I am admitting that. When I was 16, I could dunk a basketball off uh, off the sprint um, until I stepped on a teammate's uh, foot and rolled my ankle. And then it took, I couldn't dunk when I was at Purdue. Even though I played basketball every day and worked out every day and was eating and like healthy, um, I could always get close, just could never, could never actually flush. And then when I was in the Marine Corps, I uh, lived with a a guy that was a a, a weightlifter. His name was Brandon O'Brien. He actually played uh, college football uh, at UK University of Kentucky. And then joined the Marine Corps after, and then went had years of eligibility left to play college football afterwards out in Montana, I think, and then went back to the Marine Corps. And I was about 230 pounds when we met, and we did a 90-day diet, and I got down to 209. And one of the ways I handled the conditioning outside of just running like Marines do was I played basketball in boots and youths. And the boots are heavy, the paint, you're wearing heavy pants, you know what I mean, and a belt. And I could two-hand dunk a basketball uh, off two feet. Um, but I'd have to get a full sprint going and basically use both legs to get me up. And I could barely dunk. And the only reason I could dunk on that goal is the rim was sagging a little bit. So you can see it took a lot of sort of like bending the rules for me to be able to dunk a basketball even at the best shape of I was in in my whole life at 209 pounds I was 24 years old um, I'm 6'3 the reason I'm telling you these things is you see 6'3 209 could barely dunk a basketball could have played in the NBA I promise you it's mostly a mental game and so what I want to do with that in mind is I want to spread that mentality to young kids in the inner cities that are being told that they'll be nothing by everyone else. I want to tell them you, we've got to find a way for the work to benefit you the most that makes you the best athlete while making sure that you're handling your business, that you're getting a good grades, that you're actually learning and taking advantage of what you can learn from this subject matter um, and that you, the, you know kids need to prioritize their education because what these what these scouts are gonna because what I'm gonna do is I'm I told you I want to coach in the NBA and I want to coach a kid I coached in high school how do you do that you gotta you gotta create a culture 
where kids come to this school because they want to win and because they want to play at the next level. And they're going to, here we're going to do that. And so I'm going to lay out for you on this podcast. I'm going to just tell you, here's, here's what my game plan is. The difference is, I'm not going to tell you what I say during the game in huddles and timeouts. Uh, I'm going to be very soft-spoken. I don't want the word out of how I, how I coach in game. But how I prepare, oh, you should be doing it too. And if you're not, we're going to kick your ass by 50. That's what I'm telling you. My goal is to score 150 points as a high school basketball team. How do you do that? Create high-quality shots as fast as possible. Play lights out on defense. And so my kids are going to be well-conditioned, damn good defenders. Like, impossible to consistently score on. And we're, we are going to shut teams down. They're going to have five-point quarters. And then on offense, we're going to run the floor, get easy buckets, and then work for an open shot and take that and get out of here. And then score seven, you score 75 and a half. I'm telling you, putting up 150 because we're going into that locker room. I'm telling you, I'm going to light your hair on fire. You can do it. You can do this. You can put up 150. You want to go to the net play at the next level, you got to make noise. How do you make noise? Hold someone to 30 and score 150. I bet you that gets a newspaper's attention. Holy shit, look at the disparity here. What is going on at this program? Oh, it's Jared Malat, the dude that's got respect in mid-range as a podcast and has been saying for years, this is how you turn a program into a bunch of dogs that every school wants. And then once you put a bunch of kids into Division One basketball, and those programs rate, you know, their profiles raise because you're adding talent to them on a consistent basis. The NBA comes calling, the NCAA comes calling, and you, I take baby steps. Hey, let me go college, coach college basketball. I'm gonna get a degree there too, right? And so I'll court any college program, go take over. You know, I'm not gonna go somewhere and be an assistant, spend my life on a bench somewhere. I'm a leader. I'm I'm not a follower. I'm a blaze a trail kind of guy, not a I'm a sit on someone's bench unless it's a like a, a perennial winning program. Like for example, if Coach K, right, were like Jared, I've been listening to respect the mid range. I love your mentality on basketball. Come here and take over this Duke program, right? I'm out of my shorts. This guy's been waiting in line for 20 years, right? More, I'm talking about like a a program that has had success but hasn't had a success in a while like butler um but real you know your your i use and your purdue's they've got younger coaches they'll be fine forever but your butlers your ball states uh d1 programs right wouldn't mind coaching the midwest right university of dayton something like that you know what i mean i'm i, I want again i want to i wouldn't mind coaching uh, again, I want to coach at inner city high school. I wouldn't mind coaching at a historically black college, uh, mostly because I want black kids to grow up with white allies um, that are absolutely will step in front of a, a sword for someone, right? And say, no, 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 I'll give my life. Not a question at all. We either all matter or none of us do. Um, we need, we, you know, black people need allies. White people need role models that aren't afraid to be allies, right? So this there's a whole thought process here. And this is because the people that I care about the most outside of my wife and my family are black. 
And I'm not talking about NBA players or NFL players. I've got a couple really close white male friends. But several of my other very close adult friends are black and people of color. Black and Latino. So I care very much about being an ally to those people. And in addition to that, I choose to represent things that I am not. Right? I fully support women as coaches, as officials. You should too. You should want diversity. You should want to see... people do things that they hadn't before because if we're we're breaking ground we're still moving forward and if we're moving forward we're doing good Um, and I represent the LGBTQ um, so you'll never hear me call a player gay, I don't give a shit who you like, who you trying to fuck after you play give a fuck about how you play Um, and I do want to say I I didn't take Orlando serious and they did beat beat the Heat Um, but it was just a game this was just one game, we're not going to get too tied up in the results except for a few people okay and that's Rozier Morant right your two high scorers and Trey Young okay 6-1-6-1-6-3 small point guards three different play styles okay Rozier's quiet take is a sniper takes he's an opportunist he's great it's gonna have a great season for him. Does not is not really ball dominant, and when he touches it goes in. Trey Young similar, but Trey Young can create his window. He can create his own shot, basically, um, and he was ten of twelve as a result from the floor, and had thirty seven points. And then Ja Morant is a great ball handler. Has a beautiful floater game. And worked really well in the interior. But he's more of a mid-range threat. Okay, um, All those guys are skinny. Not very muscular. I didn't say not strong. They're just not built. They're slight. And these. those that's I was told not to pursue basketball. Because of my lack of size. People are going to discourage you from doing things that you love. And I want to also be an example of do not listen to people that discourage you. Do what makes you happy. What fulfills you. And if that's basketball, I'm with you. It's something that has always been entertaining to watch. There has always been a political movement within the NBA. It has always been a diverse community of people from all over the world. It's a worldwide basketball is a worldwide sport. And I say that to close with um I have a co- a co-MVPs for game 1 and that was Nikola Jokic. Uh had something like 27 15 of 14 um and Russ had a triple. A triple double, something like twenty one eleven and nine, twenty eleven and ten, or something like that. But basically, I like to reward filling up the stat sheet. Um, it ain't just about scoring. So you'll notice I talked about the three high scorers, but mostly what I talked about was how they they're three different styles of players, but they're all small guards. And then yeah, you had guys that were big scorers that are big bodies, 
but it ain't all big bodies doing all the heavy lifting is what I'm getting at. And it ain't all three-pointers neither, except, I mean, obviously, Rozier was 10 of 16 from three-point land, and I can promise you, if somebody shoots the shooting like that, um, you you don't let them shoot 62%, 62.5% forever. You know what I mean? You're, you're going to let them take those those shots. Um, but those, that doesn't make you MVP. So you can win a scoring title and not win MVP. But in order to win MVP, I think you got to fill up the score sheet. This means that you have to be a scorer, a passer, or rebounder, and or rebounder. So you have to be able to score flatly in order to be an MVP. So you got to be one of the best scorers in the NBA. You gotta, you gotta either be able to be a great ball handler and distributor, or a great rebounder and shot blocker, or ball stealer, or like a difference maker on defense. Um, so you gotta kind of have it all. Um, what I did realize when I was doing a lot of research, a lot of the guys that are great scorers are terrible on defense, and I think it's because the expectations. Um, and I kind of want to change that attitude. Right, I think that here's what I think. I think there's a lot of standing around in the NBA and a lot of lack of movement, and I think it. I think I can change that by changing the attitude. I don't have this. I don't. I don't uh, listen to other podcasts. Right, I'm not looking for guidance on how to hear myself talk. Right. When I decide I wanted to be a coach, it's not because I already knew everything. No, I've been reading books and books and books and books on being a leader and being a coach and a mentor and doing doing things for the right thing. Right. I'm willing to take on additional debt to do this. I'm investing. Why? Not because I want money. I none of none of this said I Jared wants money. But white male teachers that are also coaches tend to get paid well. Cool. Then white male coaches that do well tend to get offers at the next level. Cool. Along with that comes money. Cool. I don't care about the money. I care about the program I'm going to. Primarily, I'm going to base my decision on who has the best social media pitch. Just letting you know now. Because uh, that's what's that's what really matters, baby. Um, but I say that to say that I don't care about the money. That's not why I'm doing this. I'm taking on financial risk to put this podcast out, to go back to school, to document my time. I'm also approaching... Uh, Vox Media, I'm going to go to uh, other media companies after I get done with Vox, and I'm going to pitch a follow documentary, uh, because I think what I'm doing uh, can be used as an example for other people that are afraid to move on from whatever it is that they're doing, afraid to take risks, afraid to invest in themselves, particularly when it comes to education, uh, I think that we need a path forward. And I think that I can do that. I can do that with this podcast. I can do that with my actions. I can do that with the people that I influence. 
and ultimately speaking things into existence is real right so i'm not just making this podcast to hear myself talk i'm holding myself accountable right i i when i share this and i say hold me accountable hold me to my dreams right make sure that i am making a path forward um because we 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 do need to come out of our cocoons i know that i know that since january i've sat in my office and read books and tried to find out what the next move is for me personally and in my life in my future you know what i mean i want to make sure that i leave this place better than i found it and that the legacy i leave isn't one of sitting back on my haunches and you know what i mean i got out there i got an education that is in something i was passionate about i gave myself options i you know i took on coaching uh, because I, th- I felt like I had something to give and of course it's going to do nothing but give to me and Hey, that's a relationship I'm all for. Um, and I think that I can create a winning culture by prioritizing the health and welfare of my players. Um, and then outside of their health and welfare that I'm pushing them not only on the floor, and off the floor in the classroom in the community um, doing all the right things so that they get opportunities at the next level and that so these outstanding humans that I either coached in high school or college one day I get an NFL an NBA gig and I walk in practice and who do I have on my team guys I coached so not only are they super excited because they're being reunited right but they also know what it's about to be about right coach likes to make sure you're in good shape that that is not part of practice they will no no player of mine will ever complain about me i'm not authoritarian authoritarian towards conditioning i separated it from practice and made it into drills that are bite size like game size so that when this happens in a game you've done this in a drill a thousand times how hard can it possibly be and that your mentality needs to be we need to make this as simple as possible what we actually do on offense keep it simple stupid right we'll have a a very basic system that we use just trying to get open shots quickly because I want to play the transition game I want clean buckets and then I want to get back on defense and I want to force turnovers and I want to play transition defense transition basketball why well, first of all, those games tend to be higher scoring. They tend to be raucous, right? The crowds tend to love it. It's fun to watch. Guys are throwing each other oops and uh, w- waiting it out on this guy to get off the screen so he can get him the ball because he's hot so he can hit his ninth three, right? Things like that. Big, gaudy numbers tend to draw attention, good or bad. But ultimately, as long as you've got me there as your guiding hand, hey, I'm trying to get draw attention, get kids opportunities at the next level. Part of, you know, having a guy hit nine nine for nine from three point land is we had to work awful hard to get him open. Right? That's part of basketball is if you want to coach at the next level, you've got to show that you can have a mission, succeed at the mission, and it can't just be winning. Right? Because every coach wants to win, man. Otherwise, what the fuck are you doing? Right? The real 
the real are the people that say, yeah, we're going to win state. I ain't worried about that shit. I'm putting kids in college. D1 programs on full rides with good grades that are hustlers that get to your school and are natural born leaders that didn't come I didn't come to college to sit on the bench it's like I didn't play basketball in high school to sit on the bench right when your kid comes through my program he's gonna come out confident educated and fiery right when the when the tip off post tip off I'm gonna put out some dogs right and then at the college level you're going to teach kids to conduct themselves as a professional and ultimately show what sets them apart and, you know, beat that drum, right? Because um, you gotta, you got to know your strengths and weaknesses, right? And then you've got to abuse your strengths, avoid your weaknesses, right? Until your strengths start to wane and then you take a look at your weaknesses and try to find out where you can improve those your weaknesses, right? Because your strengths are starting to go away on you, right? Like that quick first step, as you get older, it goes away. But that quick first step can turn into better footwork, right? See how you, you probably, did, if you had a quick first step, you probably didn't have good footwork, right? But once, once that, that quick first step goes away and you have to learn what else can I do with in order to get my shot off, right? This is something to think about as we roll here, like I said. Not trying to get too results-oriented with a single-game outcome. But we do want to kind of keep the, the ball rolling, and we want to say, hey, you know, uh, Morant and Rozier and Young had big opening nights, shot lights out. Jokic and Westbrook had triple, you know, great looking triple doubles, filling up the box, the box score, in a stat sheet, and those are the things that I'm I get excited about. I love, you know, there's a reason LeBron James is so damn good for so damn long because for 15 years he's been a triple double threat. So not only is he one, right? Everyone, everyone wants to win. The difference. It's in what are you doing on the floor? Block out, get rebounds and putbacks, take open shots, pass the pass up a shot for a more open shot, be selfless first so you can be selfish later. That's what I'm gonna teach kids. What? Late in games, specifically in tight contests, you need your selfish players to step up. You you think you can get a bucket on anybody? Now's the time. It's that simple. But you're going to spend a whole lot of time being real selfless before that. Otherwise, I'm not giving you the keys to the Maz and saying like, hey, go out there and run my offense. Right? It's got to be a give and take. Very, I got to have a lot of trust in my guards to be able to tell me no matter what, I'm getting a bucket on this dude. Okay, give him the rock game over let's get out of here let's go home right that's exactly how my attitude needs to be right are you confident if i give you this ball that you can score on that man as long as that's the guy guarding you uh, it don't matter who's guarding me i'm putting that ball in that bucket done give him the rock let's go home right and then make it happen son and if you succeed we will cheer and if you fail hey man i'm just glad you stepped up you didn't hear anybody else clamoring for the rock right and you so you got to when you when I become a leader, you gotta 
motivate. You got to make sure these kids understand you got their best interest, you got their back. And I want to make sure people know I'm not using kids to get somewhere. You're helping kids get somewhere. Them getting somewhere makes me look good, right? Because I'm I took I invested in myself so I could go back to school so I could get into a position to take these high school kids that are otherwise going to be playing in rec leagues in 10 years and say with just a little bit of direction you could go to the NBA. You really could. You could play division 1 basketball. You just need someone to tell you that. You need someone to put it in your head. That listen man, if you get really good grades and you bust your ass on a basketball floor, you can go D1. And then once you get there, if you continue to work, you could go to the NBA. And then once you get to the NBA, <laughs> once you get that money, you still got to do that work. So that's a good place to stop. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Have a great day.